This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Bookie presents Shake Them Ropes. Get your deposit matched up to $1,000 by using the code ROPES. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, Bobo the Wonder Monkey producing yet again. (laughs) Bobo the Wonder Monkey. (laughs) Yeah, sure, why not? Let's add another character to the show. Okay. Yes, yes, and... And Bobo, the, oh no, the, he's mad. He's mad. Get away from. He's very angry. He's an angry monkey. That Bobo. My, my my dreams of turning this into a morning zoo will someday come to fruition. We have my bookie and we have my Bobo. Yes. Well, Bobo Bobo does like to bet on the ponies and the football games a little bit. And uh, that's you would like to use why that Bobo code. works here. That's like, why Bobo mo- works most, here. Exactly. Most monkeys are not heinously in <laughs> debt and thusly don't need jobs, but Bobo does. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have anything banal to talk about at the start of the show. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you kind of want to work some banter in there before you get to the wrestling. But you know, I, I had nothing. I just, do you got anything? Give me I, something. Don't worry about the government celebrating 500 shows this week. Like, we we taped the 500th one. So, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, yeah, right. What's the story beyond that? Go and listen to the show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> that's that's really the big, that's my big sort of news. Oh, oh, I'll, I'll ask you something because this is wrestling related. And I, I have, I've had strong opinions in the DMs about this. Do you like that 7K camera? That they're using on which show? Uh, on uh, I believe I know they're using it on SmackDown. I forget if they're using it on Raw. You know, for the entrances that make it look like it's almost like a video game type of oh, thing. Oh, um, I don't have a strong opinion on it. I, I'm gonna. I don't really like the way. Like, I think WWE's whole product is too bright. So. It, it it probably is more of that Kevin Dunn shiny glossy thing that I don't like. Yeah, I, I'm mixed because I don't mind it as much as other people do. Uh, I appreciate them trying new things though and using the latest in technology. Now I think the technology was probably a waste of money, but uh, I it, find it, they it, use the latest in technology in kind of boring ways. Yes, it's like there's they, not, they go out of the outside way- the box. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, in my other kind of big passion of guitar or whatever, you know, there's always new cool pedals and stuff coming out, right? Like, but spending a lot of money, and and you certainly always can when it comes to guitar electronics, doesn't necessarily mean that you end up with a cool final product in your guitar signal necessarily if you don't know how to use those things in really interesting ways. Yeah, it's like the kid who buys a really expensive computer to play games <laughs> or, you know, not not to play games, but no, he, he buys a, you know, really expensive computer with memory cards and graphics cards and then just uses it for email. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It, it goes online and searches the Internet mostly. 
But it does have, when you turn it on, it does have the very cool LEDs that he can change the color of his mood. Right. Bobo, what's our first story? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do the, no, doing the monkey character. Uh, Hank Aaron uh, passed away today at the age of 86. Perhaps the greatest baseball player ever. Uh, it reminds me, though, I was watching the uh, home run call by Vin Scully when he broke Babe Ruth's record. T- today's color commentators and, and, and play-by-play guys, they talk way too much. He just let the he let the moment linger, as opposed to say if it was NXT, Vic Joseph would be talking my ear off about how he hit such a great home run. But there's a wrestling connection with Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron was the man who, in 1990, I want to say three, it might have been two, but 1993, got Bill Watts fired from WCW in what I remember as one of the first big wrestling scandals to hit the internet when I was uh, in the early days of Rex Sport Pro Wrestling. Uh, Watts had given an interview. I don't know if you're aware of this interview. Have you, have you heard of the Bill Watts interview with Wade Keller from PW Torch? No, I guess not. Well, it started out as an interview and then turned into a political rant. And, uh, as someone who has not thought deeply about certain positions, perhaps, or what one should say in public, Bill Watts said some things that, uh, one should not say ever. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll did he express views on race? Yes. Yes, he did, as a matter of uh, fact. I bet that went well. Well, that is how he got fired from his job. He also uh, expressed some uh, feelings on homosexuality, which uh, <laughs> which probably didn't go over well with Wade Keller, I'm guessing, at that time, even though I don't believe Wade was out at the time. But nevertheless, uh, let's put it this way, Chris. It's and I think you can have an appreciation for this. It started out as a poorly worded shall we say libertarian argument about uh if i own a business i should be able to discriminate and it went downhill there right 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 because it's it 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 started off as that and then it was also i am a bigot (laughs) yeah and i i don't you know watts famously pushed jyd at the top of his territory so this was not i mean that does not make him a bigot let's put it this way this was right and, and to give it a little bit more time context, this was right as the Marge shot uh, incident happened with the Cincinnati Reds, where she expressed some not right, so right, right, right. dignified views on race as well. Well, what happened was Wade gives, or Watts gives this interview, and then he, <laughs> there's a great write-up of it in Deadspin by our friend David Bixenspan, if, if you want to read it there, but uh, <laughs> it's... I mean, he goes into roots. <laughs> he goes into he's 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 saying certain uh, certain homosexual epithets that uh, he should you know. But hey, it's my business. I should be able to fire hire and fire who I want. Uh, and yeah, and so Mark Madden, yes, that Mark Madden uh, saw an interview about Hank Aaron about this Mark Shot controversy. He goes, oh hey Hank, have you heard of this interview with the torch that old Bill Watts did and. Hank Aaron, being the vice president of Turner Sports at the time, said, "Why no, Bill? Or I mean, why no, Mark? I have not, I have not heard this interview." And so uh, then they heard the interview, and then Bill Watts, sort of unpopular in the locker room already because wrestling had passed him by by the time he came back from running UWF to run WCW. Uh, he of the 
no mats. On yeah, the no mats on the outside. The no uh, moves from the top rope. Top rope. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean there was a lot of anachronisms happening on WCW television that were, even when we're looking back retrospectively, they felt they feel dated now, like in 1992. I I don't quite know how to put a point on that. Well, as I was watching wrestling in 1992, I can explain to you why these were outdated. It was because there had been a push in the industry for smaller, faster guys, especially after, oh, I don't know, the great Buddha (laughs) had rocked the company for two or three years. And so you had Brian Pillman and Brad Armstrong and guys of that nature. They were trying to build a cruiserweight division while saying you can't come off the top rope. And over on the WWF pod, guys like uh, the Rockers and Shawn Michaels getting a singles run at that point. Like, yeah, you were having people who could fly around a little bit, and that was accepted, even on WWF television. But yeah, Hank, Hank Aaron, uh, I, I couldn't fully appreciate him because I wasn't alive, really, during his run. Uh, I got to see him on some home run derbies and, you know, always just a great ambassador for the game. And and also for Turner Sports, so uh, rest in peace to one Hammer and Hank. Uh, <laughs> this was one that sent you off earlier. Per our friends over at Fightful, Mr. Sean Ross Sapp reporting WWE talent were informed via their talent relations app recently that they would not be receiving a COVID-19 vaccine through WWE, and that was their own responsibility to schedule and get said vaccine. This, this surprised several WWE talent that they were expecting this to be set up through WWE, while others that we spoke to figured because of the nature of their status as independent contractors, that would end up this way. There was a ton of frustration among talent that we've spoken to who noted there are influential people near the top of WWE who actively speak against COVID. In the days since Drew McIntyre's announcement, several other names behind the scenes have also tested positive for COVID. I will let you speak on this. Yeah, so, I, I mean, first, I we speculated last week that based on the booking patterns of that Raw and that SmackDown, that it seemed as though COVID was hitting the roster yet again harder uh, than they were letting on. And that is very much the case. But with WWE, I mean, let's just do the history lesson here real quickly. So it it, it starts off COVID-19 becomes a known thing during February and going into March of 2020. And during March of 2020, America starts making the adjustments to COVID-19. A lot of things shut down, um, rightly so. Vince McMahon, um, because of his relationship uh, now with the former administration and also his relationship with the governor of the state of Florida, gets an exemption for WWE, an exemption that many other organizations would have absolutely loved to have gotten, but uh, Vince is able to get that. But the premise of that exemption, if you believe that truly we need the essential content that WWE makes, uh, by the way, Jeff, I just wish that DeSantis had included some sort of stipulation that required them to actually have good television product, um, that, that if the, the show's kind of crappy, we shut you down. Um, but that was not that was not the case. I'm telling you, I want this you thing. Bobo. Means... You pop Bobo on the Wonder Monkey. He's laughing hysterically. Yeah, yeah. I, I want that means tested. Um, so, anyways, you you have 
this exemption made for WWE. And, and, and implicit in that exemption, if you go with it then, is that WWE's programming is essential. Now, I get that people laugh at that premise, but you have to just go with it. The, if it is essential then, if WWE's workers are essential, the onus is on WWE, the organization, whether it's employees or independent contractors. Um, and in the case of taking care of your employees, many of the people on site are not independent contractors, right? You've got cameramen and other people who are actually working as employees. Part of taking care of your employees is making sure that you limit those essential, in air quotes, employees' exposure to COVID-19. And the best way to do that, the only way to do that, is by making sure that there is a regime to ensure that all of your organization is getting access to vaccines. Uh, beyond that, it's kind of asinine to be like, oh, you're going to be required to get the vaccine. And so you're going to have some sort of oversight thing that m mandates to people that you go and get the vaccine, but you're not actually going to provide to them any of the means or the resources to your independent contractors to get access to the vaccine. And for the people who are like, well, you know, we were independent contractors and so, so we sort of expected that. Yeah, but like, that's also a commentary on what you expect out of World Wrestling Entertainment, the company. Because not every independent contractor in America for every organization would look at the organization they're independent contracting with at that point and necessarily expect that they wouldn't get a vaccine. Some organizations are more responsible in a more succinct way. And WWE has time and again been an extremely bad faith actor when it comes to COVID-19. Um, so I, I got to tell you, Jeff, I'm not optimistic about their their odds of getting the award this year for continuing excellence in COVID-19 safety. Here is where I may differ with you. I mean, we went on a or I went. Haha, we, I, you came along, but I did this. <laughs> I went on a bit of a rant last week about the knuckleheads within the organization who are going out to restaurants and having parties and acting like nothing's wrong. You have a company who, when the hammer came down on them about running shows during this pandemic, paid for the infrastructure to have all their employees tested on the way in to tapings to keep everybody safe. Why not just say, okay, everybody on all three brands, come on down to the Performance Center on next Wednesday. As you come in, we're going to give you your first dose. Yep. And then come back next Wednesday, we're going to give you the second dose. And then all's good in the hood. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, I, I completely, no, I completely agree. And, and, and I'm with you. Um, I, I think I don't disagree that there there is also – an issue that should not be as I get the WWE is a bad employer. Uh, they are a bad organization in many ways, but there are many talent. Um, and you and I basically are in agreement on this who have been irresponsible on this. I'm looking at you, Ricochet. Um, and they have not necessarily been the most proactive about their own health, but more importantly, the health of others, um, people that they work with. Um, and you know, if you sideline someone because of COVID-19, you're hurting their earning potential. Uh, it's, it's just irresponsible. And so I, I think that the right action here would be for WWE to do what you'd suggested. And moreover, if they actually set up the regime at one point for testing, it's sort of asinine that 
they're not now transitioning to vaccination, right? Like, like you know, so you're going to still it test? Would seem, it would seem in the long run that this would serve them because then everybody's inoculated. And then if the, if the knucklehead crew decides to have a house party, <laughs> we're not losing half of our Royal Rumble card. Or you know. our WrestleMania card. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, looking on the horizon here to open up the newspaper pages, there is a mutation strand of COVID-19 that... Oh, God. Uh, it's Captain Trips. We're all going to go. Well, well, you know, so I, I, I'm getting news from, like, WDSU and, like, all these news sources all over the country, and I was seeing Chicago's already starting to brace for uh, the mutated strand that we're seeing over in the United Kingdom to be here and be one of the more dominant strains uh, by March. That's right around the time of WrestleMania. So if you're Vince McMahon, you're thinking about your WrestleMania card, it behooves you to have your roster with the least amount of exposure to COVID-19 so that you don't have to do these weird rebooking procedures where Keith Lee has to wrestle five matches in one night. You know, before the show, I was thinking I was going to start off by saying I need to use the word behooves more. So <laughs> I, I got myself a word of the day calendar for 2021 here, and um, it's been behooves for the last several days. <laughs> we haven't changed. <laughs> is it, is it every day is behooves? It's, no. Is it 365 behooves in a row? That no, I, I, just, I, got to the, I got to the 12th <laughs> here, and, and th- this was one that I really wanted to think on. So I'll, I'll do some catching up. It, it's literally a word a day, but it's the same word every day. <laughs> yeah, behooves. <laughs> uh, WWE backstage coming back before the Royal Rumble with Renee Paquette. Page and Booker T in their usual seats. A little bit surprising, in my opinion, but uh, look, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of backstage. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I, li- I like the shows that they're doing on the network now, for the most part, at least talking smack. Backstage really didn't move my needle other than maybe the occasional CM Punk thing, but uh, I don't know if this is a permanent thing or just a one off for this or just for certain pay per views, but uh, Renee Young. Slash Paquette back in the fold here for a sec, Chris. Is that, uh, although that might just be a Fox thing too, now that I think about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's uh, the start of her getting reintroduced onto Raw and SmackDown on a regular basis. I think they're going to use her in this like pre show TV sort of setting. And... Well, she is pregnant. I don't think she'll be traveling soon. <laughs> yeah, also true. Also true. So, I, I mean,. This may just be a one-off. Um, uh, you know, who knows? Might be a new talent signed: Priscilla Kelly, Cora Jade, Lacey Ryan, who will all make their debuts in the Dusty Classic. Priscilla Kelly has been redubbed Gigi Dolan, and Elena Black is Cora Jade. They are currently, it appears, they're getting fed to uh, Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae. Uh, they will be included in the next training class with Sari from Japan. Anthony Henry, formerly of Evolve, and AQA. So this is interesting because two of the three that are making their debut in the Dusty Classic, probably because they needed bodies, uh, uh, have have been on AEW television. Chris. Uh, Priscilla Kelly, I don't believe, would be getting a contract given that she and Darby Allen are going through a rather contentious divorce right now, so I believe this is probably a good mood, move for her. It's just interesting that AEW needs a little bit of depth in the women's division. And there's plenty of players out there. 
but they don't want to also don't want to get a bloated roster either. So so NXT is just going to be happy to take take on some of the uh, some of the excess. Yeah, no, but AEW also needs to be mindful to be acquiring people before WWE does their snatch them and leave them in the cooler play because that that is at least to my eye what a lot of these WWE contracts for certain talent could be identified as. Um, it's just about getting someone and putting them on ice so that uh, AEW can't grab them and utilize them. Yeah, I, w- I would not be shocked at all if, if I read tomorrow that NXT had, had, had uh, signed Heather Monroe, Christy James, and Nicole Savoy because they're out there and uh, they've, they've done work for AEW, but it's like, well, uh, they didn't get a contract. Go where the contract is. I, I don't have a problem with that. No, I, I don't have a problem with that. And if AEW wants to compete with WWE, and they do, uh, th- this is going to be the way WWE throws its financial heft around. AEW's Revolution pay-per-view is being moved. Uh, the Wrestling Observer has heard possible dates of either March 6th or March 7th at Daly's Place. Uh, apparently, they're trying to avoid this February 27th boxing, and I put that in quotes, pay-per-view with Jake Paul, internet sensation, going to get his butt kicked by an actual fighter. I believe that's Floyd. I believe it's Floyd Mayweather, but don't quote me on that. Uh, he's yeah, he's so, boxing like Floyd Mayweather? Like I, that. Think, I, think he's, he's, yeah, I think he's boxing Floyd Mayweather. Uh, you know, this is the thing about like th- this like carny boxing, I, I think is going to be my term for this. I think carny <laughs> boxing might become like a halfway decent draw for about a year here. After that Tyson thing, uh, people are into this. I don't know why, uh, but it like it's like the Kimbo Slice thing. Uh, they don't. People are not looking for quality. They're looking for the freak show. They're looking for carny boxing. Well, uh, his last one did over a million buys. This is where we're at as a people. Yeah, although. Uh... Although Mike Tyson and Roy Jones was on that one too, so <laughs> that might have been the draw versus Jake Paul and, and like Nate Robinson, former New York Nick. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. That's who he boxed against. He boxed against Nate. Ro- he knocked him out too. He knocked him out. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He, uh, yeah. he knocked him out. He real blocked bad. him. Yeah. But it's not that. It's not that because he's training. He's getting actual training. I'm not saying he doesn't have skills, but this is carny boxing. You're exactly it's ca- right. No, yeah, it's carny boxing. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, but there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, but that, when I was watching that, uh, with the with the lady friend, like, that was my commentary. I was like, this is a wrestling show. Like, th- you know, they they're having entertainment and stuff. It, it was, it reminded me a little bit of like a Japanese wrestling show. A little bit, not Wrestle Kingdom, um, because like Wrestle Kingdom super well produced usually, or at least has been in years past. Um, like the Tenru retirement show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got like musical interludes and stuff, and you know, it's just on for four or five hours, and you know, uh, people like it. And and you go, hey, remember when Mike Tyson did this? Member Berries stuff. So you got a little bit yeah. of the Carney thing and a little bit of Member Berries thing. The Nyla Rose versus Layla Hirsch match scheduled for the January twentieth show was canceled because Nyla Rose was exposed to someone positive for COVID. Is going into quarantine for 14 days. That is why Layla Hirsch fought Penelope Ford on AEW this past Wednesday. Interesting. Um, I actually really liked that pairing. Uh, I, I did too. I, 
Yeah, no, I I think that visually it's it's good. Like Penelope Ford is a really great heel foil for Layla Hirsch's underdog. Um, because Hirsch is all grapply and using the hips in the lower center of gravity to like throw you around and stuff, and she's working from underneath. Whereas Pen- Penelope Ford's all like cartwheely and flowy and stuff, and you know, she's stylish. all flash. Yeah, yeah, no, it's perfect. Like it, it's 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 classic heel and babyface dynamic. Um, uh, no, that's interesting. I, I uh, Hirsch and uh, Nyla Rose is not bad. But um, I actually I really liked this pairing. Um, I, I it was it was it was fresh for me. I was into it. Uh, numbers from Wednesday: AEW eight hundred fifty four thousand, NXT six hundred fifty nine thousand. Ratings wise, everything got smoked by the inauguration. Uh, SmackDown continuing to to overperform. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they're they're over a million. I think I think they're one point two, one point three. Uh, and Raw, oh, Raw's Raw. So <laughs> this is still long-term bad. All the overall, like, uh, the, the wrestling industrial composite index, uh, the wiki, if you will, uh, it, it still continues to trend downwards. Like certain components of the wiki flux from week to week here. But, uh, overall viewership is down and wrestling does depend on fans and the live experience and go into the show. And hopefully there'll be like, you know, a snapback effect or, or when things kind of really earnestly open up again, um, there can be this snapback effect, uh, to that point, you know, uh, sometimes you have to have something go away for a while in order to really miss it to want to get back to it. Um, but, uh, you know, this long-term arc is bad, dude. Uh, and, and, and this was happening prior to COVID which I think is the thing that gives me greatest pause. I think it needs more quotable lines. I got to be honest with you. I think that to me is what's missing and why the spark isn't there. They're relying on comedy sketches to get them there. And I'm not sure those are the types of moments that grow a fan base versus, you know, the rock just saying, shut up, bitch. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, is he going to send you to the SmackDown hotel or him playing, you know, uh heartbreak hotel and doing the Elvis covers and stuff like, no, um, that there is a bit of that. Um, I think AEW as a show sometimes often, um, relies on irony and meta awareness of the industry. Um, and like kind of cheekiness in a way that, it, it's hard it's hard to invest in. It's like fourth wall shattering. We'll start on the wrestling in a second. I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, MyBookie. It's that time of year when divisions are decided, champions are crowned, and legends are born. It's time for the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year as your team rose to the top, or in my case, fell to the bottom. Bengals suck. But now it's your turn to win big. You've heard the name just about everywhere, MyBookie. They're the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, and college ball, check, check, and check. MMA and soccer, they've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of my bookie's prop builder and live in-game betting, where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use the promo code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, when you make your first deposit. The best part is 
that they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin. You got that Bitcoin moolah, just put it all in your MyBookie account and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or on your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. Once again, the code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S. Get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000, and we thank them as usual for sponsoring Shake Them Ropes. Chris, I said before the show, I found this to be a rather blasé week of wrestling, although SmackDown made some interesting choices. Where do we want to begin? Do we want to get the Wednesday night stuff out of the way? Yeah, let's let's go once let's let's do dynamite. We sort of already been talking a little bit about. It. We can just finish it out. Uh, well, the painting was uh <laughs> something. Uh, the, the paint. See, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like the weird meta comedy stuff. Uh, so with the Omega and Bucks angle thing, Kenny is now being outshined by Don Callis and like the story is quickly becoming Don Callis is essentially the champion or, or like this is essentially the Don Callis title reign in so many words. Like Kenny. Yeah. The story is, the story is obvious that yes. oh, Callis is trying to drive the wedge between everybody. So they're making it far more about Callis. Right. It, which because some of the writers are also vice presidents. Uh, what gets forgotten is that, like, for example, Kenny Omega is absolutely not sympathetic here. Um, and, no. yeah, like, they're trying to make it. He's driving the – Callus is driving the wedge. But, like, Omega put his friend Michael Nakazawa in khakis and a polo shirt and made him, <laughs> you know, be, like, the, the working guy at, at Kenny Omega's house. Uh, you know, and there are any a number of other heelish things that Kenny Omega has done along the way here and in his heel turn leading up to challenging John Moxley, all of which were sans Don Callis at all, um, that do not earn him this, oh, he's being manipulated thing. Because the story that was more kind of consistent is that Kenny has become a Mondo dick and he's brought in his friend Don Callis who furthers his Mondo dickness. Um, but now we're pivoting it to Don Callis is manipulating Kennedy or Kenny. Yeah, a lot of comedy on this show. We had that. We had the uh, negative one uh, birthday celebration. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. There, there, was, there was a lot of 19, early 80s influences from professional wrestling on these shows between a birthday celebration with a cake that a wrestler falls into and then with uh, Bailey's obstacle course challenge straight out of the Iron Cheek Persian Club challenge. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of homages to a little bit of old school in here. But, uh, yeah, you had the, the negative one celebration. And then you had the uh, the proposal that failed with Adam Page. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I, I, uh, well, uh, I, so, I didn't mind. So, on one level, it's like, I like what we're doing for... Mr. Brody Lee's kid. And part of me is able to put myself in this kid's shoes and like kind of like live the experience that the kid's living of like everyone's taking care of him and consoling him as he's getting through the loss of his father. 
and and it makes for a pleasant, vicarious experience and, and an emotional one as well. Narratively, however, it has made everything the Dark Order does an absolute freaking mess. Um, you and, and as a faction, they have so many of the tropes of bad factions. Like, for example, people with nebulously defined gimmicks. Like, you know, what is Stu Grayson's gimmick at this point? What does he do? Um, he's the guy in the leather jacket who dresses like Dean Ambrose used to dress back in WWE when he's copping the Bane look. Um, you got the the 10 guy who, you know, it, it, it carries around negative one. Um, Evil Uno doesn't really lead the group. He's like sort of the spokesperson of the group. They become uh, like the Monty Python Autonomous Collective uh, or something <laughs> like that. No one's really leading them. They just all take turns from week to week. Uh, and yeah, there's too many members. They're not really heels. Like you almost feel bad for the faction when they're not able to recruit top babyface Adam Page. It's bad wrestling. Um, but the stuff with Mr. Brody Lee's kid is nice and it's touching. Um, and I kind of if, if only we could get the Dark Order going around like Monty Python's horses and Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like. I, I mean, you know, they're always an undercard faction. So if they became, if all of the meta comedy that AEW wants to get in, and I get that so many of the executive vice presidents have this frustration that they're just yearning to get out on screen. If Dark Order was the vehicle for all of the meta comedy, and like. That's what they did. That's the whole point. And the rest of the show was a more serious product. It would be a better show, even with the exact same balance of meta comedy. Because um, the issue is that the meta comedy seeps into, again, with the Kenny Omega Don Callis thing, the main belt angle has meta comedy in it. That's bad. That is bad. I don't disagree. Uh, is it time for Chris Jericho to give up the lion's salt? Oh, no, you see, being out of shape is actually part of the gimmick here, Jeff. Well, uh, you know, if, if you have COVID, you have a hard time getting your wind back, it turns out. So, so maybe he's just having a problem with his wind. Mm, I, that's a conspiracy. I, I heard that on a great <laughs> show called Talk is Jericho. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, look, uh, it's important for one to know their limitations or... Uh, the flip of this is like Jericho has to you know, take better care of himself, especially as he's getting older. Like I, hopefully that was a wake up call. Cause yeah, like those moves, they, they don't get any easier as you get older, but they get particularly hard if you put on X amount of pounds and you know, you don't really kind of adapt to it. And he, he's been out of shape for a while in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous 
brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I have no further thoughts on a lot of AEW. Do you have any? Um... I like how MJF is feigning sincerity, and I think yeah. that's that step backwards has continued to be nicely done. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, yeah, got the Kenny like locking um Alex Marvez in the dungeon. Like, come on now. Uh oh, another '80s flashback. The the Butler Charles. Yes, <laughs> from Miro. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, Miro's another reminder of like the meta comedy seeping into yes. angles. Um yes. like here here I I it just continues to frustrate me. You know, we talked about who's the most underutilized, and I think I went with Shane Lee Baszler last year, but like Miro's a real strong candidate for like underutilization of twenty twenty. because uh, he's he's just a total joke character. Making Chuck Taylor break up with Orange Cassidy and Orange Cassidy has to walk away all despondent because they're not really friends anymore. Remember when this guy was a made man? That, that we're making him a star? Yeah. I, I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was Bobo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fuzzy memories. Fuzzy memories. Um, I kind of enjoyed the Peter Avalon versus Cody Rhodes match for what it was. Yeah, a little bit more comedy with the uh, not in the face, not in the face, as if he's Arthur from Tick. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, I know, but like, I liked, I liked him just doing the low blow and going full heel. Yeah, yeah. I did. I liked that. I liked that yeah. match quite a bit. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I thought that was cool, and I liked the Moxley versus uh Nick uh, Camarado match here too. That was cool, dude. Uh, I had a thought about Nick Camarado. If Eric Bugenhagen, for some reason, could get released from WWE and go to QT Marshall School, whoa! In three months, he'd be fighting for the TNT title. If Nick Camarado is this good, yeah, no joke, no I, joke. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I liked Cam- Camarado a lot. I liked that look for yeah. professional wrestlers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, that's that's, so, that's all I'm saying. Um, and then you know. Uh, I'm glad that Private Party is getting some flavor. Um, that that we're we're doing something a little bit different with them. It's intriguing that they're going to be heel. Yes, because they've always had that kind of cockiness to them, but you can never see a high flying team like that be other than you know Jack Evans. But I mean, being so young and wanting to be heels this quickly, but when you have a group like Top Flight in there who are just they are wonder bread baby faces, man. So you have to have that kind of mirror image evil. And and I, I, I actually dug kind of the moment where they both just kind of agreed, yeah, we're heels. You know, yes. that nodding of, of of the heads. I kind of dug. No, I liked that. I liked that. Um, The match was was a, a mess. Uh, I'll be, I'm just going to kind of be muted on this a little bit. But like, look, the... The gymnastic stuff, and we saw this a little bit with Reginald, too. Uh, like, there is, there's, like, the Undertaker, like, Mark Calloway way he grumbles about gymnastics. But there is an absolutely valid criticism of the way certain matches are formatted, where it's, like, so many flippy-do things that it's absolutely implausible. Or, moreover, in the case of many of Top Flight sequences, is... They require so much athleticism that they do not get the precision that they need to look good on television. I don't need all Japan guys throwing each other on their heads for 30 minutes, but I also just don't want the Waterworld stunt show from Universal Studios. You know, (laughs) I I, I just want to see a fight. I don't want to see flips and trapezes. And, you know, there's a little bit of this in the Cat and Zaro match. We'll get to it on Wednesday. Reginald, I think, is, like, I, I, and I know that part of this is the character that he's having to play right now, but, like, that guy, fantastic gymnast, but, like, the gymnastics he is doing is horrible professional wrestling. Yeah, but I think that was also part of the... Uh, I, I, yes. While we're in main roster territory, let's just shift to that, then. Uh, I guess you could say the dawn of intergender wrestling has come <laughs> to this generation. <laughs> Uh, I I was thinking that too. It's like, are we really breaking the door down on intergender wrestling on the main roster with Sasha Banks and Reginald? Not since James Ellsworth. Have we had this? (laughs) Although it's interesting because Kushida just uh, tweeted, yeah, about that. (laughs) When, when, when talking about intergender wrestling on Twitter in terms of wanting to fight Sasha Banks. Yeah. I look, I'm, it's not my thing. I know people enjoy it. I get it. But it gets into the gymnastics thing versus fight thing. I'm slightly old-fashioned, so I'm slightly uncomfortable with the visual of it. Although, in the 80s, you had certain spots where Baby Doll would hit a man or Dusty Rhodes would elbow Baby Doll or something, so maybe I should get over that. But, 
yeah, this was a chance for Reginald to flip all around, kind of play, uh, <laughs> kind of play Angel Garza's Gar. What's his name? Because he's not on TV anymore. Humberto Carrillo, Dimple. No, Dimples. Angel. No, I was thinking Angel Garza with the with the rose and the kiss on the cheek. Oh, okay. I was thinking. I see. I'm thinking like Umberto Carrillo with all the crazy like corkscrew flip like Matrix stuff that he was doing. Yeah, the I was Mission Impossible thing. That. Yeah, no, but you're right. It's kind of a cross between what Garza and Carrillo do. Uh, and and Sasha Banks gets a a win over him. I. Uh, I, I like my uh, seconds to be inept. I don't know why. I love, you know, Cornette, Heyman, Bobby Heenan, slipping around like a like a geek. That, that's what I kind of like. Yeah, yeah they should count as like 0.25 of a wrestler. Like, they, they're what gives the heel the advantage, and 0.25 is usually enough to be the difference maker between that deficiency, that like that, you know, if a heel's like a 0.95 to the baby face's one, 0.25 gives him the edge, but that 0.25 has to stay on the outside of the ring. I like that. Um, Reginald is like, I don't know, I guess a good wrestler, I guess. But like, also, the, the other problem with this match is you see all, you can almost see all the weird WWE rules that were like forced into both Sasha and Reginald's head of like, you can't body slam her ever. So yeah. like, all, all these moves have to like result in her doing these ridiculous and sometimes reversals that they were not on the same page about doing. And Reginald, to his credit, is very good about stopping mid-move and figuring out where they're going. He's got some control. Yeah, Charlotte's an absolute jerk as a baby face. Can we just say that on both shows? It's like, you're, you're, you're the good guy, and you're hanging on to a figure four way too long on Peyton. You're beating up Billy Kay on SmackDown. I just, I, I don't... I don't get that. They never do any shades of nuance with this character. She's always just Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Yeah, no. And Charlotte Flair, like, she's like a snowplow, man. It's just straight ahead and everyone has to get out of her way. Yeah. Although, God bless Asuka. I don't think she knows where she is half the time. She's just going to dance and be crazy. <laughs> Great. Uh, Alexa Bliss, uh, speaking of Asuka, uh, channeling her inner hawk from the Road Warriors. Just a no-selling machine all of a sudden, this transformation. Asuka has to play scared. Don't get me wrong. I think Asuka, or not Asuka, I think Alexa Bliss is a pretty good actress for a wrestler. I gotta admit, she does great character stuff. But now that she's possessed, she's taking down Asuka a peg. Okay. This is like <laughs> what was happening with Abaddon and Hikaru Shida a few months ago on AEW television. And it's actually an interesting analog. Um, and in both cases, you were having the scenario of the champion who is very likely to remain champion too, um, being knocked down a peg in a, in a weird way. Because like crazy Oscar, like the whole thing with her is like, nothing should really freak her out. Cause like, like, you know, she's crazy. Like that, that's kind of her thing. She's like, crazy, she's but she's also bad. And that, right. and, and, you know, it should, it should phase her to, right. you know, I just, I, she's bulletproof. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, do I want to see Alexa bliss? No selling for Oscar. Not yeah. really. No. And, and, and if you want to build up this new, uh, Alexa bliss feels no pain character, a much better way of doing this is having her have a match against Tamina. 
And, you know, out comes Tamina. Tamina's getting ready to have a match against Alexa Bliss. And, you know, she's uh, the daughter of Jimmy Superfly Snooker. She's tough. She's Samoa, blah, blah, blah. Out comes Alexa Bliss. And Tamina kind of has, like, a, you know, confident sneer on her face. Comes in with one, like, axe handle smash. And Alexa Bliss starts no-selling. I think that's, a, that's an equally powerful visual. And you're not moving immediately to Asuka selling this. I have nothing else on Raw, so I'll just get to my other stuff on SmackDown. Uh, Daniel Bryan continues his 2014 Vanity Feder- Federation, and I'm for it, between Cesaro and Dolph and Sammy. <laughs> that moment where, where Cesaro saying, I can say it in French, and then he, he turns to Sammy and goes, no, one's, no one wants to hear from you. <laughs> Killed me. Uh, I, I enjoy the parts that Daniel Bryan gets to control. Yeah, no, I, I think Daniel Bryan continues to be part of why SmackDown is very watchable. Uh, you know, it, it, it it's an easy watch. It, you know, watching him and Cesaro and Nakamura and Dolph Ziggler, like, these are guys I like to watch wrestle. And it, it's a reminder, you know, you think about AJ Styles and, yes, even Ricochet on the other show. Uh, there, there are a number of people who I like to watch wrestle. Um and if Daniel Bryan had his own little vanity show that he could book, I, I bet you would probably do pretty good numbers. The Aunt Pam physical challenge was everything a professional wrestling segment like this was supposed to be. This is good wrestling comedy. I thought this uh, was funny. In a way. Uh, yeah, I, I can see why people would be annoyed because they go to this trope way too often. But <laughs> I EST'd the obstacle course for you. Perfect heel stuff. Otis having to be fireman carried and let me tell you, that was impressive. Bianca Belair is a yes. damn impressive athlete. It always, I, I was a little worried for Bailey because it looks like she might have hurt herself on the on the tire because they had to bleep out a swear word of hers when she sent down old Chad Gable. I was a little, I was a little scared for her to finish the course, but of course, when, when the uh, when everything's done, just a good old fashioned basketball to the gut and a beat down and getting thrown into the into the hoop. I'm for this. I was fine with it. Uh, see, like, okay, here's why I think this was, yes, it had a lot of the WWE tropes, but these were done well and in service of Bianca's sort of like, kind of like inversion of the old Mr. Perfect character. Uh, I like when the course got EST'd up, it allows Bianca to showcase her actual physicality. I mean, you see her clear those hurdles and they're like, they're good and clean hurdles. And, uh, you know, then when she actually does like the, the, you know, the, the bigger ones, uh, the ones made out of wood, um, that was impressive. And yeah, dude, carrying Otis, there's no, you know, there's no smoke and mirrors there. She just straight up carried Otis. Uh, so I, I felt like it did a really good job getting Bianca over on a serious level, um, while also being funny and also getting this, this Bailey delusional character is fun. And, and you know, that's, that's what it's meant to be. The walls spot is, I think, what got me. Where it's like, even Corey's going, she's taking a lot of time here. And then all she does is run around the wall. And nobody nobody complains. The clock, the clock stops when she finishes the obstacle course as if this was okay. It was, it was that little subtle piece of, oh, get the F out of here type of thing that just kind of made me love its unrepentant stupidity of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's just stupid fun, you know. That that's all. That's all I'm saying. NXT UK, 
Combining two of my favorite things in the world, Chris. Joseph Connors and Ginny. Well, I was going to say uh, redheads and snarky eth- women of certain ethnicities. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I liked the Kaylee Ray Ginny match. I just don't understand why this was the finale, it seemed, because you had all the women watching out, out in the crowd. It made it feel like it was a reboot. And uh, I, I think the uh, there, there was on social media... There was there was an interesting vignette. I don't. I, they didn't play this on on the show. I don't think of Kaylee Ray coming out of the office and saying, "There's other people in the world I need to face." I think Kaylee Ray is coming over to NXT. I would like to see her over on NXT. I I, I mean, Kaylee Ray is a fun character. Yes, she, she's she's like a Becky Lynch with more edge, like a more natural heel Becky Lynch. But she also does work as a face because she's just got so much swagger. Yeah, I agree. 100%. And I wasn't sure if she was going to work as a baby face after being such a great heel. I know. Time, but, but, but then but she showed me enough here in this Ginny match where I'm like, no, she's got edge. She's cool. She's like, got that kind of stone cold edge. You know, it's and I think you nailed it. It's the edge Becky Lynch wanted. Yes. Yeah. Because because Kaylee Ray is rougher around the edges. But like. I'm saying that in a very desirable, it's because it's authentically rough around the edges, and that's great. Yeah, and I, I like Ginny as kind of this uh, top-level heel in, in the heel di- in, in, in the division. I don't like, look, I don't like Joseph Connors. I've already said oh, that. Oh, stop that. Stop that. Stop. He's he's doing his best work. He's trying oh his God. best. He no. is worthy. He is worthy. You, you've turned on Joseph Connors. I know. I love him. He's, he's, he's a better version of Reginald. Oh, oh. <laughs> can he do flips? Yes. No, he can't. Yes, no, he, he can. can. Yes, he can. Ginny is appropriately vicious in her in her offense. Uh, I, you know, I was kind of thinking they might put the belt on her and just send Kaylee Ray over here to the States to work I, where, whatever show she wants. Because I'd love to see her and Sasha, quite frankly. That oh, would that'd, be, be, that'd be fun. Yeah. That'd yeah, be yeah. fun fun pairing as opposed to this Carmella pairing, which I, I've seen it. And I, I don't think Carmella's going to do better than she's done against Sasha. I, so. I thought Carmella did fine, but I thought Carmella yeah. needed to go over her. Oh, wow. No, seriously. I, I like the repackaging of Carmella. I, th- oh, I, mean, I do but, too. I, I think but, the but repackaging. Like, I, I, I think that the gimmick doesn't work if it doesn't have the belt. The fight pit. I love that Tim Thatcher has his own gimmick match. I think that helps the character, much like back in the day, and I'm going to use a politically incorrect term here, so I apologize in advance, but Wahoo McDaniel and the Indian strap match went hand in hand. It was his bread butter. It was his It was his gimmicky match. I it see, was I always his. associated that with Hulk Hogan, the, uh, the Yappa Pie strap match, oh, brother. Oh, you, you shut your whore. You... <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I, I like this match. I, I it, You know what it feels like to me? It feels like they've tried to find a way around the terribleness of the scaffold match that the NWA used to do. Yeah, this because is like a reverse scaffold match, isn't it? Yeah, it's, like, it's like the scaffold's on the outside. Because the structure was so rickety that you couldn't do wrestling moves on it. It looks like they were trying to find a way to combine... Combine a cage match and a scaffold match, and I, I didn't, I didn't quite understand. And I guess I just haven't watched the other 
fight pit matches in so long. Why don't they just climb down and start the match there? And then if they need to do a high spot, they can do a high spot. But Well, th that's the what they did differently this time. Like, this time they really featured the idea that there's a second tier to the fight pit that climatically it should go there. But, like, it, with the Riddle and Thatcher fight pit match, it was presented much more like a UFC-style match. And though they did go off the top at some point during that match, um, it was intended as an in-the-pit style of match. Um, and that was a, a difference in the presentation from this time to last time that I'm sort of ambivalent on. I, I think it makes sense, as you're saying, if you need to climb up to do a high spot to finish out the match, that's great. Starting the match on the top of the scaffold is stupid. Like, why would they ever go into the pit? Yeah. <laughs> I, Unless like, you're going to do that. Unless you're going to do that 20-foot fall, and I don't wish that on anybody, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, that's that's ridiculous. And, like, that's also, to your point about Thatcher, that's not Thatcher's gimmick. Thatcher's gimmick is not the guy who falls from high places. Thatcher's gimmick is, like, I'm a tough guy who grinds you on the mat, and in the fight pit, there's not even ropes, man. It's just all mat wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That was an interesting match. I, I It don't... wasn't bad. It wasn't my favorite of the fight pit matches, but I, I, I didn't dislike it. And we have a mu another mutual respect tag team to match our tag team champions in Tommaso Ciampa and Tim Thatcher, as they will be in the Dusty Classic, it appears. Yeah, that'll uh, be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I want to reuse this gimmick, though, so soon after doing Birch and Lorcan, and also Finn and, Ki and Kyle O'Reilly, it looks like. You see, they're 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 repeating this over and over and over again. I'm not sure, I'm not sure it's cool. Much like I don't want you. You had two underdog tag team stories in the rough Kushida match, and then also in the Cat and Zaro, uh, Caden Carter versus Tony and and Mercedes Martinez matches. So so it appears that there's a lot of patterning going on, and I don't care for that. I, I want different. Yeah. Um. You know. So uh, the booking patterns. I was not crazy about, and I'm with you. Like there, there's a lot of like sort of, uh, per, there's a lot of tropes in the booking patterns that are frustrating. Like Leon Ruff and Ku Leon Ruff and Kushida are frustrating because it's like two guys you've seen just absolutely mismanaged as characters. I'm not like super sold on Leon Ruff, but like Kushida's absolutely misused, and Leon Ruff like that North American title run did him so dirty. Uh, that, that did him no favors whatsoever. Um, and Karen Cross versus Ashanti, the Adonis, I thought was fine. Uh, yeah, you know. it was, it was a squash match. Yeah, what I want. And, I, yeah. and I think it's going to open the door for your theory from last week about Kyle O'Reilly and, and Finn getting into the dusty turn. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think you, I think you nailed that. I think it's obvious that we're either going to have a three way for those tag team titles eventually with. The Undisputed Era, O'Reilly and Finn and Lorcan and Birch, or we're going to the finals of the Dusty Cup with the Undisputed Era having to take on Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor. Yeah, I I, I could see that. Um, like, did you yeah. like the Carter Catanzaro match with Storm and Mercedes? Uh, I I thought that Carter and Catanzaro looked the best that they have looked, and I thought that I Carter, would agree. I thought Carter was a very good hot tag. Yeah, I think Catanzaro had some issues with some of her gymnastics, like that spinning into Hurricane Rana. I, I know Eo's crazy, and I know they're trying to find a way out of ex explaining beating, how you give the loss to yeah, beating Storm Tony and, Storm and Mercedes Martinez super clean. 
but I think you should beat them super clean to give the tag, the underdog tag team, the victory. Yeah, so the flip of this is a- afterwards, backstage, they're dancing around elated like they really did something. And it's like, did Casey and Caden uh, not see that Io Shirai showed up and basically helped them win the match? Yeah, and that's why I, I start to doubt whether or not they go all the way. I think I don't. I don't. Sh- yeah, sh- I think there's gonna be Shotzi and Ember in the finals, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I like the tag match, though. I would agree. I, I think I've seen smoother work from them as a team in terms of team offense, but overall, I thought it, it wasn't too bad of a match, to be honest. It, so you know, look, uh, Casey Catanzaro is very dependent on the gymnastics and stuff too, obviously. Um, she's, she's finding her step here as, as the little underdog in a tag team though. I think that works. Um, and the God, how many rotations did she do off the top rope? That was crazy. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that I was rewind that a couple times. I was like, I know, I know. I watched that, 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 and, um, you know, we, we glossed by it, but the, uh, styles clash that Ricochet and AJ pulled off. Oh was God. Really yes. That was awesome. Yes. Oh, I, I had in my notes here and I forgot to say it. Yes. That is, you, you remember how, uh, how, how we'd always try and, th- or they'd always have different ways of Randy hitting the RKO. Or Diamond Dallas Page would have a number of different cool finishes for the I'm Diamond I'm wondering cutter. how many they could do of these, but that was just, that was the most impressive thing I've seen from AJ in years. Although it totally, it totally just get says that Ricochet is a geek. Yeah, right. Oh no, I mean, that, they, that big. I'm gonna win my way into the Royal Rumble. Nope. <laughs> well, even the whole set, him like bouncing off, like, the whole context of how you end up in the styles class makes ricochet the character look like a total nerd yeah i'm with yeah you. Yeah. yeah i i didn't uh have we already dumped down malcolm bivens and uh Ty- is it tyler rust tyler rust is no that, let's, let's let's give this time let's give this time um i i the the first week here my read of this is that rust was still kind of a baby face and it's not unlike the Matt Hardy private party thing where Bivens has to show him the Malcolm Bivens way. So I suspect Bivens will help Rust by cheating here and will establish Rust as a heel. So give it time. Okay. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. I liked the story, though. I liked that. I like it, I too. felt so confident. I made my own match with uh, Bronson Reed. And now I'm going to now. now and, and now you learned your lesson. You don't. Uh, it's an interesting way to gaslight somebody. You, you know, the writers on SmackDown liked it a lot, too. That's why they decided to just use it again tonight with Rey Mysterio <laughs> and Dominic Mysterio. Oh. <laughs> Number one, uh, I, I was surprised that the Knights weren't there with Corbin. I know. Yeah. I know. Where the are the Forgotten Knights? The Knights yeah, have forgotten. Oh, the Knights have forgotten. But then with uh, Owens came out to attack Roman Reigns during that thing, I thought that was one of the nights because he was dressed the same. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that's uh, what's his face? Who used to tag with Buddy Murphy. Um, and, Oh, and Bronson Reed. I, I, I think, you know, Bronson Reed continues to make nice steps forward. He seems he seems very confident in his character, dude. Um, And the top rope splash looks great. Oh, no, he's great. They just should never beat him on his return. That yeah, yeah, no, no. They're I, hyping I, him <laughs> they were hyping him up, and then they just bring him in, and they beat him clean as a sheet. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" That's that's the uh, the Tyrus 
thing that they did. Like, yeah, yeah. Were, you remember when they were, they were? He's a monster. Oh, look at him. He's yes. just, you know, he's not. I'm not a Funkasaurus. I'm not a Funkasaurus. Well, no, no, no. And then they debut him as the Funkasaurus, and he comes out. like, what? Yeah. Oh, they're gonna make him the Funkasaurus, though, aren't they? Oh God. He's gonna be a Funkasaurus character um, if they I, ever put him in the main roster. I liked uh, next match here, Imperium versus Lucha House Party. Like, this is, this is, I think, the Lucha... I, I didn't realize it until about midway through the match, and I almost kind of want to rewatch it. This is the Lucha House Party that you that and I wanted. expect out of mm-hmm. Lince Dorado and Graham Metalik, two of the best Lucha Libre stars. And, like, Lince Dorado continues, in my opinion, to be heinously underutilized. He's he's very talented. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Him and Metalik. Yeah, yeah. That match that Metalik had... With- had to uh to get the uh title match and then he eventually had the title match with Miz, I think it was. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. No, I I mean no, they're they're both they're both exceptional. But yeah, like this is charismatic. I, I like him a lot. And here's the shame of it. They had this great match to set them up to get beat by Legato. Uh, Legato del Fantasma by a screw job in some way. And that's gonna be the shame. Although up until that final moment when uh, Santos Escobar interferes. It's going to be a hell of a match. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, I okay. Because I love Raúl Mendoza. I think uh, Joaquin Wild uh, has yet to show what he's made of here, but I think he could in this match. I'm, I'm, look, I'm kind of looking forward to it, even though I already know what's going to happen. I got a prediction for that match. Then we'll see if it comes true. I think. Oh, you, Col- th- you wait. You, you think the Lucha House Party is going to have another round? I think Callisto shows up and screws over <laughs> Lindsay and Grand Metalik and joins Legato. In NXT? Yeah, why not? Oh, that's... I, you know, it's interesting because they accidentally brought up Callisto, who is no longer part of the Lucha House Party, but he's persona non grata on whatever... I don't even know what brand he's on. That's how sad I am. You know what brand Callisto is on right now? Oh, I've got a 50-50 chance. I'm going to say NXT, <laughs> NXT UK. Oh, shut <laughs> I don't know, Raw? <laughs> uh, I'm going to look it up. Callisto, wrestler. He performs under the SmackDown brand. Callisto's so, on the SmackDown brand. <laughs> so, yeah. No, oh, that's that's interesting. So, does he unmask? Oh, I guess you scenario? are. I guess you are required to do that. He is already wearing like the fedoras and the bowlers and stuff when you see him backstage. So maybe yeah, we have we have mini Los Ingobernables de NXT. I, I honestly, I, I think it actually gives Legato a little bit more flavor to play around with here. Uh, and I, also, it establishes oh. some tears because Raúl Mendoza and Joaquin Wild really are like it's like they they could use a lieutenant. Yeah, I just want to see them actually grow in the role as opposed yeah, to no, like, being flunkies. Yeah, okay, so like beyond all that, like, man, isn't Santos Escobar like an absolute money performer? Like, he's yes, so, he's so good at like all of the things. He he's that a good promo. promo. Was, yeah, that promo wasn't good in terms of substance, but in terms of delivery, it was fantastic. Uh, and English is his second language. Like it's yeah. crazy, dude. He's so talented. Like I've been I've been King on this Cuerno. dude. Yeah, yeah, no, I've been on he this was... dude's for years, man. He's he's awesome. Yeah, he's everything they want. Well, actually, you know what he is? He's everything that Almas was when he was in NXT. Promo that Almas was. Remember, almost yeah. the whole knock on Almas is that Almas didn't want to spend the time learning English. Yeah, 
I guess you're right on. Yeah, yeah that that was damn Meltzer and all those guys were reporting that back in the day. It's almost was not interested in doing that. And like, I'm not, I'm not saying that he needs to do that as like a value judgment. I'm saying that WWE as an employer um values those sorts of things. And if you don't do that, uh, we know how your career tends to arc in WWE. Imperium loses. I'm quite sad about this. Yeah, but, fine. But the story, yeah, to me, is that Alexander Wolf shows up. Uh, I want to call him Axel Dieter, but that's not his name here. Uh, both uh, both Fabian Eichner and uh, Marcel Bartel shape up in the salute. I think Walter's come. Yeah, I, I think this is a. I think uh, Alexander Wolf is the clarion, and he's coming to announce that the band's getting back together in NXT, and Walter's on his way. I, oh. I think for a special appearance. I'm here for Walter versus Finn Balor. I'm here for Walter versus Kyle O'Reilly. I'm here for Walter versus Adam Cole. Uh, there are any number of, if, if you want to do an NXT UK title defense and have like Adam Cole go up against Walter, that'll be dope. Um, if you want to have NXT UK champion versus Finn Balor, that'll be dope. Um, if you want to have O'Reilly go up against Walter, that'll be great. Uh, th- there's any number of cool matches that you can do with Walter and Walter's just been killing it. Yeah, we might get a couple weeks of, you know, uh, Alexander Wolf putting them through their paces and uh, and getting them back hardcore. But I- I'd like to see a reestablishment of Imperium as a force in NXT. I really would. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, you know, that gives Undisputed Era uh, another cool faction to, you know, feud around with if they want to feud a little bit more with Imperium. Um, they could, they, it would actually be a lot of fun to watch Imperium feud with the for the brand guys, uh, you know, Dunn and uh, McAfee and all of them, and McAfee talking about how like he loves the sport way more than Imperium does. McAfee, <laughs> McAfee I find this man more sacred than you. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm sorry. McAfee baby facing Imperium for an angle would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would really would. But uh, any other thoughts on NXT? Uh. Man, they made a really big deal of Beth Phoenix coming back to ringside. Yeah, she had been doing shows from North Carolina. Ah. Uh, and it just, it makes it makes the play-by-play a little easier, I think. Uh, I, I did like the little drop that, because uh, Bailey was at the Performance Center for the Dusty Classic. <laughs> and I, I do think she was trying to say, hey, wouldn't it be great if I do a cameo today? I would not be shocked if that story about her trying to get Beth Phoenix as a partner was true. I yeah. would not be that surprised. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised with that, and I don't. Uh, but, I don't think there's anything else. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's all I got. And then, yeah, and then we had the. Uh, I, I did like the way that they did the, uh, the Finn Ballard barging into the locker room vignette. I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I, I, man, I, I love the. Ke- I think that the UE guys have fun chemistry. Uh, I, I, I they're not exactly this. heels anymore, but they're nope. not exactly baby faces either. No, I kind of dig that. Yeah, I, 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 and Bowers the same way where it's like it, Bowers his own. He says he sees enemies everywhere, but he's his own worst enemy. And you kind of sympathize with that. Uh, but he's also not fully sympathetic. Yeah, it's like, it's like a cowboy move where everybody has kind of like various moralities. Yeah, but this is like shades of gray in a good way. <laughs> How dare you? I love cowboy. Uh, but, okay, uh, remember when McMahon was trying to do Shades of Grey as like an actual? Well, we have concept. Shades of Grey on SmackDown. Actually, that's done pretty well because you had Dolph and Cesaro fighting each other the week after Cesaro beat Daniel Bryan. 
I, I, th- I thought that was kind of cool that Dolph goes, oh, well, you think you're the best? I'm the best. And it was kind of, there wasn't like the mustache twirling or anything. It's just two cocky guys decide to fight each other. Okay. Uh, well, that's all the time we're going to give to this week. Uh, you can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow only the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at DWATG. You can uh, put a little buck in the tip jar in our webpage at Red Circle or our Patreon, patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. Dormant, but not dead. Yeah, tell uh, us what you want in terms of premium content, and we'll yeah. get something up there. Yeah, I know. I want like, something uh, classic. I'm going to need it after this weekend because I'm yeah, working yeah, all weekend. If, if you all sub up on the Patreon, tell us what you want for Patreon content. We will make Patreon content. Um, we'll sort of make it to order. Uh, once again, thank you to my bookie for sponsoring the show. Chris, tell them about Don't Worry About the Government. Don't Worry About the Government is celebrating episode 500 wrong as hell. For over 500 episodes now, as Hawkins is fond of reminding me. Uh, you can find the show over at Don'tWorry.tv, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and at Patreon.com slash DWATG. Bobo, say goodbye. <laughs>